Super Talk Mississippi media production. He's the former president and publisher of the Sun-Herald, and now he's on the radio. Welcome to Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome back to this year. We have uh, Jeff Duncan with us now. Jeff is a, a columnist and writer for The Athletic. He's covered the Saints longer than anyone on earth. And what we do on Fridays now, we have sort of a modified um, sports and as opposed to Saints conversation and uh you know a lot of a lot of news going on but jeff it was awesome just before the show i had the opportunity to meet with uh with uh, wayne rodolphus who's head of the pascal gauche school system and just reflecting on how good a job the public school and private school for that matter administrators did here in uh, mississippi especially in coastal mississippi to keep the schools open to find the right mix between some kids that needed to do remote learning and do in-class room uh learning but uh just just incredible leadership and and i, I love celebrating those guys but you you've, you've seen that yourself haven't you the, 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 so many in our community have just stepped up in really incredible ways to get us through this not just in the sports world but just in general well, no, no doubt about it, Ricky, and it's uh, such an unprecedented situation. There really was no blueprint, right, to follow. Everyone was having to kind of fly by the seat of their pants and adjust and adapt. I mean, I guess you could use some some sports, uh, you know, analogies there, right? I mean, people were calling audibles midway through the game to try and uh, do the right thing, and I, I think it's been remarkable how everyone's adjusted. And let's just hope. Uh, for all everyone's sake, that we all get uh, you know vaccinated, everybody that wants to, and we can get over the hump here. I, I can remember distinctly when this thing first hit, thinking, "Boy, I just hope by the end of football season we'll be back to normal." And here we are, over a year later, still trying to get back to normalcy. Yeah, it's so it's so funny. I shared something on the show yesterday that I, I I'll, I'll share it again because I think it's I think it fits so well, especially if you think about the sports arena because you know the, the involvement of fans. I mean, just think about how that's been impacted. But it's kind of funny. It's something that someone posted. A friend of mine said, "Can you believe we used to wake up, put on our clothes, leave the house, commute, work all day, commute home, put on different clothes, then go out and socialize." <laughs> Right. It's fun though. I mean, it's been a year of us being in this mode. You look back and you think, wow. I mean, you know, in some ways we're never going to go back to where we were, but I think people are clamoring to be able to enjoy being with their friends again. They're really clamoring to go experience the excitement of a, of a full scale, you know, national football league game or NBA game. I mean, I'm sure you hear that every single day. Yeah, and I think we're going to get back to it in the fall. It sounds like the progress uh, that's been made uh, with the virus and the vaccine. Uh, talking to some people with the SEC this week, uh, they're expecting to have full stadiums. I saw the Texas Rangers. I know it's the state of Texas, but they are going to open the season with full stadium. So I do think uh, we are seeing light at the end of the tunnel. Thank goodness. Yeah, that is that is that is for sure. Um, so. Drew Brees finally announced his retirement. Yeah, I mean, and he did it in a most Drew Brees-like way, right? The attention to detail throughout his career he used on his retirement, had his kids announce it on his social media on the 15-year anniversary of his signing with the Saints. You know, I was wondering, 
what he was waiting on. I think everybody was. And I'd talked to some sources within, within the organization who had mentioned, hey, don't discount uh, that, that March 14th date because that's a special day for him. And it's right before the start of free agency. And Drew obviously did not want to carry this on into the start of free agency. He knew the team needed to have an answer. So it made a lot of sense for him to do it on that day. That's what Kyle Curley, our producer, said this week. He said, um, now we know. Now we know why he was waiting. You know, I mean, it's all, everything he does, as, as you pointed out, and you wrote, the, you wrote the definitive book on the Drew Brees, Sean Payton era, but, you know, he leaves nothing to chance. Everything is calculated. That's just Drew Brees' approach. And I think having his kids announce it, that was terrific the way they did that. I mean, I'm sure they probably practiced that over and over again, just like he would a play out on the field. The kids had their <laughs> so orchestrated approach, but it was, it was really cool. And then sort of that kind of goes right hand in glove with, uh, something that you expected to happen. You hoped would happen. You were worried it may not happen actually, because Jameis Winston was in play. I mean, he could, he was in play. We didn't have him locked up, but now we do for a year. And I would say maybe the playbook as you hoped it would start to kind of play out is starting to, we're starting to understand how some of these pieces are going to work now, aren't we? Yeah. I think Jameis Winston really knew all along, this is where he wanted to be. He knows there's a great opportunity here for him. He's going to compete with Taysom Hill in the fall for the starting job. And it's going to be fascinating to watch this play out. I think he knows he's at a crossroads in his career with how things went in Tampa and uh, I think he's all in on trying to resurrect his career. And I think he's excited about the opportunity to win that starting job on this team. I'll, I'll point out, Ricky, uh, this team, I think, is uniquely positioned to survive and, and maybe even thrive without Drew Brees, more so than I think some of the predecessors who lost Hall of Fame quarterbacks because this roster is so talented. I mean, there's 11 players on the roster uh, that either made the Pro Bowl or all pro. I mean, that's that's a lot of talent here. So it's not like we're looking at the 2020 Patriots after Tom Brady left. I think this team's good enough with just solid quarterback play to be a playoff contender. And and that certainly wasn't the case last year when Tom Brady left. So I, I do think in Sean Payton, you have a, a quarterback guru, a guy uniquely positioned to, to coach up the quarterback position, and this roster set to where I, I think there's not going to be a drastic drop-off. Well, you and I talked about this last week, but Kyle also pointed out this week that, you know, don't be surprised if they bring in another quarterback, because if, if Jameis wins is the sort of duel they're about to have, then I don't think Sean Payton's going to be satisfied having, um, Taysom Hill sit over there as just a backup quarterback and not make an impact because he's a playmaker. What's your, what's your latest thinking on what they might have planned there? Well, I think it's going to be one of two things. Uh, I think it's either going to be a rookie draft pick they bring in. And I, I don't know. I haven't talked to anybody enough yet to know if they fall in love with a player or they have a really high grade on one of these guys. I mean, they draft so low in the first round. I don't think you can count on them getting any of these top prospects because this is viewed as one of the best quarterback classes we've had in recent memory with you know, uh, Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson and Trey Lance and Justin Fields. I mean, there's some really high-level quarterbacks. They're probably going to go in the top half of the draft, and the Saints, I don't think, can get one of those guys. But there's always the chance that they like a guy in that second tier or third tier that they feel good about drafting. And then the other option would be just another veteran 
but I don't think it's going to be a, uh, uh, they've got their two guys. I mean, they've said it all along, Jameis Winston and Taysom Hill. So I think it would be a solid veteran guy that could uh, potentially, um, you know, be in the mix here to de- to start if things went south for Jameis Winston. Uh, now, there's been a lot of rumors about Mitchell Trubisky up in Chicago. If he were to be released, that he may try and come to New Orleans and be a reclamation project under Sean Payton. That would be fascinating and somewhat surprising to me. Yeah, so it will be interesting. And j- look, just as a as a fan, just someone who's been a Saints fan my whole life, uh, the Swiss Army knife aspect of Taysom Hill is fun to watch. And and you think about these incredible targets that Jameis, if he were the starting quarterback, would have. It could be dynamic. And I'll remind the audience what you said last week. You said, don't don't look for the, the offense to be the same offense that we saw the last few years. They're going to make adjustments. They're going to, they may open up. They may open up this offense. They may take advantage of Jameis Winston's skill set, which means down the field. He's got a hell of an arm, doesn't he? Well, look, we may already be seeing that occur before our very eyes. You know, the releases in the last week of Jared Cook and Josh Hill at tight end and Emmanuel Sanders at wide receiver, I know those are being portrayed as salary cap cuts, which obviously they help the Saints' bottom line. But I think there's an ulterior motive there, and that is all three are in their 30s. All three were kind of specifically complementary players to a Drew Brees type of offense, great route runners, you know, timing-based offense. I think what they're doing now, they're going to remake this perimeter core. They've got younger, faster players on the perimeter, and I think that's all by design to fit the skill set of a Jameis Winston. I don't think they're nearly done with that yet, but I think in the draft you'll see them also bring in some other players that fit into that kind of fast-track offensive system. As you said last week, think Kansas City. Think Kansas City. Yeah. Um, and look, Sean Payton, he didn't, he didn't one day arrive and say, I've got it all figured out. I'm going to induct the PhD of, of offensive play, and I'm not going to pay attention to what other teams are doing. I, I mean, he's going to school constantly. I'm sure he studied the tapes, and he knows what changes he wants to make. Is that true? Yeah, and look, I think, he, I think he's excited about this opportunity. He, he loves and respects Drew Brees as much as anybody. Uh, but I think the coach and teacher in him is, is, is excited about this upcoming challenge of rebuilding the team around a quarterback with a different skill set. This is Jeff Duncan from The Athletic. He's covered the Saints more than anybody else on earth, but he's also just an aficionado of sports. And uh, we'll see what's, what he's been working on for stories at The Athletic recently. And we'll talk about sort of where are the Pelicans in the, in the scheme of things these days. We'll be, we'll be back after this break. Also listen live to Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1 on your Amazon Alexa devices. Once you've enabled the skill, just say Alexa. Open Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast. Talking to the people that help make the coast such a unique place to live. This is Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Well, 
Christian. Thanks for listening on 103.1 or watching the show on Super Talk Facebook page or YouTube or your favorite podcast. We love our time we spend with Jeff Duncan from The Athletic. He's on the Hall of Fame Selection Committee. He's been, you know, Sports Writer of the Year multiple years in Louisiana. He's covered the Saints longer than anyone else on earth. But let's go, let's, let's keep talking about sports here. You got a pretty cool story that you're working on as it relates to Arch Manning. Tell me about that. Yeah, of course, Arch Manning, Ricky, is the grandson of Archie Manning, the son of Cooper Manning, and he is just in the middle of completing, I guess, his sophomore year at Newman High School, of course, here in uptown New Orleans, and is already starting to heat up on the recruiting trail. I mean, he's obviously has an incredible lineage. Uh, He has the last name Manning, and he's already putting up record-setting numbers at Newman. Uh, in his sophomore season. So the recruiting of Arch Manning is going to be a heavily covered subject here in Louisiana uh, because he's going to be the number one quarterback in his class when he comes out. And uh, I can tell you this, it's going to be like a recruitment like we've never seen before because even though Eli and uh, Peyton Manning, his uncles, were heavily recruited and highly ranked players, they came through Newman at a time before social media and this craze that we have now, 24-7 recruiting coverage. Uh, so what I think is interesting is to see how this plays out. Is is Arch going to follow in the footsteps of his uncles and his, his grandfather and go to Ole Miss or Tennessee and stay in the SEC? Or is he going to do his own thing and, and, and go somewhere different? Or would he even cho- potentially choose LSU, uh, which didn't get any of the Mannings? As, as LSU fans will be quick to tell you, uh, how's that going to play out? So I think it's a fascinating story, and there's a lot of pressure on a lot of coaches to try and get Arch Manning's commitment, and uh, I'm not sure how this thing's going to play out. I think it's wide open. Okay, so you said how good he is, but you've been studying him. How good is he? Well, I think he's a can't-miss prospect. I mean, he's so advanced for his age. I mean, uh, his grandfather told me, and this, this is a perfect way to put it, He's been programmed to play quarterback. I mean, he's got two uncles that were their Hall of Famers. Is obviously his grandfather uh, is you know one of the all-time greats. And Cooper, of course, was a great player uh, before his uh, you know back injury and back it, it condition prevented him from playing. So he's been immersed in the game. So he's advanced for someone his age. I mean, he was going to the Manning Passing Academy, Ricky, uh, as a seventh grader and sixth grader. When they don't, they don't even let anybody in until they're in eighth grade. So he's way ahead of the game. Uh, he has great leadership skills. And I think the thing that will stick out about him when people see him for the first time, I mean, Cooper played, of course, wide receiver. was a very good athlete, could dunk in basketball. Uh, he's not – Arch has the athletic ability of Archie. Uh, you know, great running ability, mobility at quarterback. So he's going to be different as a player than say Peyton or Eli, who are a little more stationary back there, pocket quarterbacks, Arch Manning can move around and, and make plays with his legs. Uh, and, and he's only, only getting better uh, as he grows. He's already up to six, three. Now I think he's going to end up being taller than that. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah. I saw a highlight reel on him. Uh, it's been a few months ago, but good Lord, how mercy, man. I mean, just, End zone, end zone, end zone, end zone. You know, he's got a laser for an arm. Uh, just, it's, it's really remarkable to, to, to watch a kid that young be so precise, isn't it? Yeah, and look, Nick Saban's already 
heavily recruiting him to try and get him to Alabama. So is Dabo Swinney at Clemson, Steve Sarkeesian at Texas is heavily involved. Ole Miss, of course, Tennessee, LSU. I mean, LSU, Ricky has already offered and has commitments from two of his teammates at Newman. Uh, so they're going all in, obviously. And the interesting dynamic for LSU is they have a commitment from Walker Howard, who's the son of Jamie Howard, who played quarterback for LSU. He's a highly rated player, a year older than Arch Manning. So he would be in a class ahead of Arch. And so that's another kind of wrinkle in this storyline is would Arch go to LSU uh, and knowing that there's already a highly rated player there at his position a year ahead of him uh, and and also a legacy recruit uh, in Walker Howard. Wow. Wow. It's going to be so interesting to see. Okay. So Pelicans, you're working on a story about Zion. Tell me about it. Yeah, and this is going to be a different story than than maybe what people are used to on Zion. It's it's not about his incredible game, dunks, dunking, and all the stuff that everybody knows and loves about the kid. I'm writing about Zion Williamson, the person, and I'm I'm just so intrigued by his maturity. He's 20 years old, and he's getting ready to turn 21 in July, and uh, I just think he's so advanced. We talked about Arch Manning being advanced and mature for his age. So is Zion Williamson, and, and I think the unique part of his personality that I'm focusing on is just how humble and kind of uh, uh, selfless he is. Uh, you know, he recognizes everyone uh, in the program. He doesn't think he's better than anybody else. He he tries to deflect. The- so as you can uh, tell, we actually lost uh, Jeff. Uh, for those who are watching on Facebook, you see that freeze frame. I just got a note from him that said that weather's coming through and he lost his internet. But look for that story on Zion Williamson on theathletic.com. Uh, he yeah, he's such a great writer, man. He's an award-winning writer, and uh, and he said this before on many of our programs that there's a there's an interesting dynamic around Zion that is humble, and he's a major team player. He's a leader, something we didn't have in some of these other superstars. And it'll be interesting to see what Jeff's take on it after he gets done with that story. But anyway, I really appreciate him joining us, and I hope you're doing well. And we'll have a a great weekend, and we'll see you on Monday. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.